you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Curtis. Good morning again. Who was here um, in the first service? Okay, you may go to sleep. <laughs> again. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Woo. So, um, it's great to be back. And um, I was here in 2006. I'm trying to recall, I might have come here prior to that, when Mary Spites was still around. I might have come here. I can't remember, but I distinctly remember being here in your missions conference in 2006, and we had just started the uh, community development center ministry in the southern part of Thailand. So we came here and you just embraced us with so much love and hospitality, and Pastor Joe and Diana took care of us, and we stayed with them, and we were pampered, and uh, we remember, we still remember a lot of you, and we will never ever forget the, the the prayer that you know you showered upon us, especially you know when it was led by Jack, and um, you know the Lord will lead specific a specific person to pray for you, to pray for the ministry. And in that particular instance, and I remember I was praying and preaching about love of God and da 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 da. And I mentioned, I just briefly mentioned about my my uh, differences with my uncle, my the youngest brother of my dad, and they had their differences, and I I I hated him. <laughs> so, and but I did say, you know, God still want us to love them. But I, I and Jack picked it up. He probably knew <laughs> that I have not forgiven my uncle right at that time. So anyway, you know, you surrounded me with your prayer and um, you prayed for Poli to be pregnant and so that we can have our own kid. And then what shocked me was when Jack prayed that I will reconcile with my uncle. And and to be honest, I was like, wow. You know, finally someone prayed that prayer that I needed to listen, to hear. And I honestly, I struggled. And I got back home and, and I kind of forgotten about it after a while. And then came 2007. We have our, you know, we Chinese come together for our Chinese New Year reunion. And he turned up. He usually doesn't turn up, but he turned up that year. I was like, <laughs> But I remember Jack's prayer. I remembered his prayer. I didn't remember the word of God, but I remembered his prayer that I needed to reconcile. And I walk up to him and I said, um, in, in Chinese, I say, Antek, you know, I just want you to know I respect you. I will, I will call you and I'll address you and I respect you. And um, the past is to the past. He, he didn't understand what I was talking about, but uh, I did my part. And uh, we'll talk about a burden being lifted, right? So, so thank you. CBC will forever, ever have a special place in my heart and in our heart. And thank you for investment. Talk about investment. Thank you for investing in, in our ministry there. And I appreciate it. And it's good to see new faces. I know I mentioned it in the first service and I want to mention it again. All right. Some of you are you know, it's good to see old faces and, you know, you're getting older. <laughs> well, 
Chris Hawk remembered, I mean, reminded me. <laughs> so, and, and, and I'm, and Chris, you know, thank you for selecting those songs and I've got to blame you. I mean, it got me bawling over there. And the first, you know, the first service you sing and you touch my heart talking about at the cross. And every time we talk about, we sing songs about the cross, I, I just cannot go on because it's just, it's just amazing place. That every time we sing about it, every time we talk about it, it just it just transport me right to the place at the feet of Jesus. Just imagining the suffering he went through for me. I know he did it for the world, but at that point, it's just me and him, and just reminiscing the moment that he saved my soul. And the second service, I thought I'm over with it. You know, I just got worse. <laughs> I just could not sing because it just. Just got me, you know, and and I thank you for that, uh, Chris, and just allowing me to just dwell in Jesus's presence. I didn't care what you guys were doing. I just want to spend that moment with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and it was sweet and wonderful. And I am ready to preach. <laughs> so, well, um, as I've said in the first service, I I gotta do a. Two things a little bit different today. I got a five point seven, and I know I got till about well, twelve midnight. I mean twelve thirty in the afternoon. And uh, no, I don't. I cannot wait till twelve midnight because I got a flight to catch to go to Texas this evening. So anyway, I'm just going to share my testimony on my journey of faith. It's it has impacted me a lot, and I've never every time I look at those milestones. Of faith in my life, I cannot imagine how I was able to do it. It has to be Jesus, all right. And I talk about hearing the voice of God. And a gentleman in the first service asked me, "How do you know? Maybe it's your own voice." And I said, "I've heard the question asked me. You know, people have asked me the question many times." I said, "Usually, it is audible. You can hear it. I cannot describe how. You know, it's like God spoke." You know, we imagine, you know, the Hollywood, when God speaks, it's like thunderous and, and he's got a deep voice. No, mine wasn't so dramatic. You just hear his voice and he's usually telling you things that you don't want to do. And you know, God, seriously, please, no. You know, can I hear something else? But no, he's, he wants you to struggle. He wants you to, 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 to have a crisis right there with him so that you will realize that it's him and him alone that you want to serve. So, let me begin. Well, I'm not going to tell you my salvation story, but I I, I, I got saved out of a, um, a Buddhist background. They were very, very staunch, very, very traditional. And um, you never would ever imagine any one of us in the family to, to ever uh, become a Christian. And we are such a tight-knitted family that grandma was like the, if you know the, 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 the ancient China, you have the empress dowager. Like he's, she's like, in the past in England, you have Margaret Thatcher, right? Okay, never mind. <laughs> the Iron Lady, remember? Okay. Those people, okay, never mind. So she, she controls everything. All right, all her ten children will bow down to her and submit to her. Okay, that that kind of 
of power she has. So she has always reminded us not to embrace the Christian faith. We are Chinese, we will be Buddhist, we will be Taoist, and that's who we are. So, but I got saved out of that situation, got me into a lot of trouble, but God is good, and now over a third of the family have made a profession of faith, started from me, and then just spread them all, my whole entire immediate family got saved, started with my two sisters, then my brother, then my mom, and then my dad, I led him to the Lord, I baptized him, it was great, and I, I had a wonderful relationship with my dad before he passed on. And um, then the Lord called me into the ministry, became a missionary in 97. And as I was sharing, you know, between the time I got saved to, even the time I surrendered my life to be a missionary, it was kind of like, it was great. I experienced God, but it was more like what people have told me to do. You need to read your Bible. Check. I hate reading. I hate that, sorry. Alright? My English was horrible when I was growing up. Okay? I couldn't speak a word of English. And, um, and I, I'm still struggling. I try. And, and you need to pray. Check. Alright? You need to go to church. Every time the door of the church is open, you got to be there. Check. Even in the midst of your examination, you skip your exam. No, you don't. Um, you, you know, you, you go to church. Check. You need to serve. Check. How many departments? I don't care. Just whatever there's a, a, a ministry to serve, I'll try to serve in that ministry so, so that I'll be spiritual. I'll look holy. You know, and people would talk about, wow, Jason is so devoted and this. I'll go out on the streets, hand out tracks. So check, 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 check. I thought I'm good. And especially when I'll be, you know, knowing that I'll be the first missionary to be sent out by a home church. Wow, check, times 10, you know. Woo! And then came to America, raised my support, and da da da. And went in 1999, eight, uh, January, January 18th, 1999, I stepped foot in Thailand. Was in Bangkok, the capital city. Uh, you know, did my, my um, language study. And started a church, and I, by 2004, we were able to train up a team, and they took over the ministry in Bangkok. But my life was still, something was missing. And you know, what was that? Or rather, who was that? It was God. I was serving God, but out of His will. Serving God, but out of His will. And it was just empty. So in 2000, I was praying, having my devotion in the morning and, just, you know, doing my usual thing and just praying and talking to God or maybe I was talking to myself and the Lord revealed something. It was a vision of a community development center. And I was like, no. I pushed the chair away. I said, no, 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 no. I'm a traditional, conservative Baptist preacher, you know the Baptist. Anyway, <laughs> so and like, this is what we do. We don't do social work. We do. We plan churches, and that's all we do. We go out, pass tracks, you know, pass out tracks, and we rent a building, you know, get the chairs, uh, put up a, a big signboard that says, you know, whatever Baptist church, you know, King James version, and all that. 
So I was so proud of myself. But so I said, Lord, no, that's not what we do. Imagine imagining telling God what to do. And dumb. But I was I was so full of myself. Alright? Because I was taught that way. This is the way to do things. So I thought that must be the godly thing to do. Right? So when I pushed the chair away, I said, no, that's not the way to do things. And God was silent for the next four years. It was so miserable. Everything I did, there was no joy. Souls got saved. But I was like, hey, okay. Got baptized. Yeah, okay. But the joy came and it just dwindled and disappeared right away. I was miserable and I just sought contentment in other things rather than God. Got a nice house um, in a nice community, 30 minutes drive to four different golf courses. And I was so materialistic. You know, imagining a, a, a missionary becoming more materialistic. I was miserable. So after handing the church over to the national leadership in November 2004, and I just, just had enough. I said, Lord, what do you want? I don't know, not, things are not happy in my life. I don't know, just do something. I don't care if it's a catastrophe or a flood or a hurricane in Asia, snowstorm, do something, you know. I just, I just want to, I just want you again. There was nothing. And then December 26, 2004, tsunami. And all the images on the television. And the Lord was like, listen to me now. Go. And I said, no. <laughs> I said, okay. Donations started coming in because they know I'm a missionary in Thailand. They contacted me and they sent money to me. And I just took those money, bought relief items, dropped them off at collection points. And I said, that's it. I'm done. Lord, I don't need to go down there. There's, they have all these facilities to, to help with all this relief work. So, okay, I'm going to stay in Bangkok. I'm comfortable here. Remember, I just prayed that God, whatever you want to do, right? Just went off the window. I went, just threw it out of the window. After about four or five days, I've had enough because God just kept ringing this, this noise in my, in my ear. And I said, finally, okay, okay, I'm going to, you know, uh, uh, fill the truck with all kinds of relief items and I'll drive 12 hours south in a general direction, southwest, to this area that was affected by the tsunami. And so I kept driving, 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 and we didn't know where we were going, just at a general direction, until at one point the Lord said, left. So I turned left, and lo and behold, a village that was completely destroyed by the tsunami. Everything was decimated. A friend of mine described it as, as if an atomic bomb has dropped. Someone dropped the atomic bomb in that village and just cleared out everything. You could smell the dead, the death, and, and the military was still pulling out dead bodies. It was, it was quite a sight. So we went to uh, visit with all the victims and spoke with them. And so about after three, hours, uh, three days, we drove back up and um, went back home. And I slept and I slept because I was so tired. I woke up 
the next day and uh, Polai was right next to me and, and I just started bawling. And Polai just said, I guess we're moving. <laughs> and I said, you ready? And at that time, we have just moved in this, into this brand new house for less than six months. Okay? And I said, Lord, if you want us to move, you will help me sell this house. I'm not going to contact anybody. Okay? If, I'll take it as a sign from you. I'm not going to contact any realtor. You will sell this house for me. And so I, and because we are still going through the transition of, you know, the church with that, that, that we have just handed over to the national leadership and going down to south. So we spent half a week in, in the south and the other half back in Bangkok. It was just going back and forth for months. And Lord, I said, I have no time to sell the house. You have to do it. A couple of months later, the neighbor walked over and said, I don't see you around. Where have you been? I said, oh, I've been doing tsunami relief work. I've spent about half a week there and half a week back in Bangkok. He said, oh, okay. Do you still live in the house? I said, yeah. You want to sell it? I said, yeah. I said, I said I'll buy it. It's just right next door. I said, okay. We sold it, and within two weeks, we packed everything and moved down south. Praise the Lord, right? So made a little money, a little savings, but within three or four months, we were about to go bankrupt because the donations uh, stopped coming, and we had to use our own personal money and just kept spending, spending. And and one day I gathered the staff. I said, you know, guys, we're going to be bankrupt in three months. I'm going to close this thing and, you know, if nothing else happened, that's it. I got no more money. So we needed $5,000 to tie us over to the end of the year. So we gathered around the table in my office and we started praying. And as we were praying, I could hear the sound of a truck driving up the, driving down the, 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 the driveway. And so I left the room, went out and to see, to check who that was. And it was a gentleman, a German guy whom I've met the day before. So he walked in and, and he said, Oh, um, Mr. Go, I'm, I'm also a Christian. And the Lord laid upon my heart to give you $5,000. I was like, yes! <laughs> and all changed to Thai baht. So it was quite a pile, you know. So I just like, thank you. You know, we prayed together and I carried that pile of money. Remember, you know, like Burmese jack, sack of money. And I just walked into the office and they were still praying and crying out to God. And I said, um, folks, we can change our prayer. Now we can have a prayer of thanksgiving. We got our $5,000 and we were happy. We rejoiced. And I, I kind of looked at God and said, Lord, you know, forgive me of my sin. I've been so disobedient for all these years. And now you're showing me that this is it. So whatever it takes, God, whatever it takes, I will obey you, I will trust you, and I'll walk with you. Please walk with me. And that totally, it's as if I got saved again. Inviting God to walk with us. And so, things happen. A year later, we have, oh no, actually 2007, Polai had another miscarriage. That was quite devastating. That was the second. And so in 2008, I was kind of like, Lord, I think something's going to happen this year. I don't know what it is, but prepare us for it. And praise the Lord, Polai got pregnant. 
we was we we were happy, but Paula was very very scared. But God was good. Kept the pregnancy to full term, and I knew that was a clear sign from God that things is gonna start exploding from that year onwards. And true enough, money stopped pouring in. I mean, we had a Japanese guy that walked. We were doing some medical mission. A Japanese missionary was, I didn't know he was a missionary then. He was just standing at the gate watching us. And I kind of caught him at the corner of my eye. But I was busy with all the translation work and so on and so forth. So during lunchtime, I walk up to him. I said, uh, can I help you? He said, oh, I'm a missionary here. I'm watching what you guys are doing. I'm actually from the Lutheran mission agency. And we got lots of money. But we don't know who to give to. I said, No, I, and I said, "Oh, okay. So, what do you, so, so, what do you want to do here?" He said, "Um, do you have any projects?" I said, "Oh, sure. Can you write me a proposal?" I said, "Sure." So we typed out a proposal and we requested for about forty thousand dollars, and I didn't hear from him. And I thought, ah, one of those people, you know, probably took our project and took the money and used it. And but about two months later, he replied. He responded to the email and he said, um, "Do you have another project?" I said, "Yeah, good try." <laughs> so I said, "Yes, I do." He said, yeah, "We really like your first proposal, but um, we still got some money, and uh, if you can write up another proposal, we'll we'll consider it." So two days, type it out, send it off to him, and it's another forty thousand. So it's eighty thousand dollars, right? And then about two weeks later, he replied and said. Approved. Yes. And then the Lord just, from that day onwards, just kept supplying and supplying. But it wasn't like money just raining from heaven every single day. The Lord took us through, you know, ups and downs, ups and downs. And in 2012, well, actually in 2010, something else happened. But I want to tell you something, the, the more significant one in 2012, because it involved literally everything that we got. So in 2012, at that time, we have started a school. We, by then, we have over 100 kids. and But I've never thought about buying more land. Because I thought we have two acres. The Lord has blessed us with two acres. Let's be good stewards. Let's use up. Now, you have to understand, I'm from Singapore. Curtis talked about Israel being small in comparison to America. America is like hundreds of times. And South Carolina is like 3.3 times bigger than Israel. Israel is 250, 270 miles north to south, 85 miles at the widest point, right? Singapore is 270 square miles. Very small. So we make sure we use up every single square inch of our land and make it useful. So, we have two acres. I'll, I'll make sure I use every square inch. But all of a sudden, this guy who's the owner of this land, as well as the owner of the, the, the adjacent piece of property, came and said, Oh, Jason, it's so good to see you. I've been trying to locate you. He's from Bangkok, by the way. And he said, well, I lost your contact. I finally got your contact. And I, I just want you to tell you this. I want you to buy the next piece of property. I was like, never thought about buying. And then I invited him to sit down in the couch 
on the couch of my office and he started talking why he wants to sell it to me and he kept talking and talking and talking. And at one point, the Lord put him on mute because I couldn't hear a word he was saying, like blanked out. But I heard the Lord telling me to tell the guy, tell him you will have the money, which is $250,000 in three months and you'll buy it. So unmute, I could hear him again. I said, um, I just want you to know, okay, we'll buy a property, 250000 right? Okay, three months, you, we'll pay you cash. Hey, everybody shake hands. Oh, well, we don't shake hands, we kind of do that. And I said, okay, he left the room, and he was happy. I was, I was still wondering what's happening. And he left, I closed the door, I sat back on my chair and said, Lord, what did you just say? $250,000 in three months. How am I going to raise the money? So here's the deal, Lord. You raise the money. Because I'm not able to do it. And then the Lord spoke again. You see, most Asians would save up for their children's education right up to college. Okay? Do you do that? Okay, not, I'm not trying to you know, start anything here. But we, that's what we do. So... The moment uh, Hannah was born, I started saving. Okay, I don't have much, but I tried to save as much as I could. So I got about $10,000. Still not enough, but eventually I figure, you know, by then I should have enough money for Hannah's college education. In Singapore, it's not too expensive, all right? It's quite affordable because the government's, you know, helped us with subsidies and so on and so forth. So anyway, and the Lord said, the verse... John chapter 6 came into mind about the five loaves and two fish. And the Lord said, I want your five loaves and two fish. And I was like, okay, my dad left me some money. Um, it was about $100,000. I said, okay. No problem. It's, n- it's not mine to begin with. So I said, Lord, I'll give the 100000 I said, mm-mm, that's one more. I said, okay, everything. I want every single cent, including your daughter's education fund. I said, let me check with my CFO, (laughs) a.k.a. my wife. (laughs) So that evening after work, I went back home and we had dinner. I was kind of, I'm going to tell her, I'm going to tell her, how am I going to tell her? So just before we we went to sleep that night, I said, "Um, I got something to tell you. Something happened in the office today and I told her the whole thing and I said, the Lord wants us to give everything. So how much do we have? I said, my dad left me some money. We got about 100000 but it's still not enough. And da, 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 da. And Hannah's education fund. <laughs> I said, how much do we have now? I said, about $10,000. Okay. If you are sure it's from the Lord, let's do it. I said, okay. Let's do it. So I'm not going to hope. I'm, I'm the kind of guy that's when you tell me to do something, I'll just do it. So I went and closed all my bank account, took out all the money, and just put it, put it in, in, into another bank account that I know that I'm not going to touch. Say, Lord, this is all yours. Now it's your turn, Lord. Because I'm not going to write any letter. I'm not going to write to CBC. I'm not going to write to any churches because God, you told me that you want, that you are going to buy this piece of property because I didn't want it. So you will send the money. And true enough, within three months, two months maybe, we raised over, no, I didn't even raise the money. God sent 
over $300,000. And three months, I called the guy. I say, okay, we'll get the money. We get our, got our lawyer. We signed the papers. Ta-da! Now we have another piece of property. You think that was the end? So with the extra money, the Lord said, build. I said, okay. I don't know why you want us to build this four-story building, but I'm going to build. And the Lord worked in mysterious ways. Because I didn't tell anybody about, you know, we wanted to build a four-story building. I just kept it for myself. I prayed. And one time I was, this day I was at a community event. There were some community leaders. So we sat together, we ate. We, and, and this guy who's the chairman of the, uh, the, the, the sub-district office, he turned and looked at me and said, Hey, I heard you're building something. I was like, how did you know? Because I didn't tell, I have not told anybody at that point in time. He said, yeah, yeah, you know, so you, you got a contractor yet? You got an architect yet? You got this and that yet? I said, no, I've not even told anybody. He said, okay, you need our help. Let me know. I said, how can you help? He said, we'll do everything for you. I said, okay, uh, we'll get our government's architect to design it for you, the engineers, the structure engineers to, you know, certify it for you and um, everything. No, you know, under table money, no nothing. We just pay the usual fee. And I asked a very silly question. When the architect presented me the plans and all that, and I, we looked through it, make some changes, and I said, and I asked him this silly question. I said, is it going to be approved? And he looked at me and said, um, we are the government. <laughs> and we're designing it for you. <laughs> okay, sorry. And, and so the Lord provided the money. But December 2014, we're in the middle of the construction. And to be more exact, December 29th, 2014, my birthday, okay, I received a notification for progress payment from the contractor. And I'm supposed to pay about $40,000. I was like, okay, I checked my, with my finance people. I said, how much money do we have right now? I said, Pastor, we got about $200. We may not even have enough money to pay the staff. I said, great! On my birthday! Okay! So I said, alright, I'm not going to be bothered by it. It's my birthday. So I went out, took my wife and my daughter to a restaurant and we had dinner. And halfway through the dinner, I had to answer nature's call. So went to the restroom and, you know, did my stuff on the throne. And, and the Lord just said, I want you to thank me for $50,000. Or 40, I mean 50,000 Singapore, but 40,000 US dollars. I was like, Lord, I don't feel comfortable thanking you while I'm doing this. <laughs> but if you say so, thank you, Lord, for $40,000 that I don't have. But since you say thank you, I'll thank you. So done, and I went out, went back to the table, and I got a message. All right? And um, Hannah was having my phone at that time, watching some cartoon or whatever. And the message came. I said, Hannah, Papa needs to check the message. Open it up, and it was from a friend in Singapore. Both he and his wife are surgeons. And he said, Jason, we want to give you $40,000. I was like, what? I said, okay. So I called Eric. I said, Eric, what's going on? 
I mean, thank you, but what's going on? He said, oh, my wife and I are attending this boring medical symposium, and we kind of just turn and look into each other's eye, and, and I just felt that God wants us to give you $40,000. So I asked Karen, I said, Karen, do you sense it that God wants us to give Jason $40,000? Say, yeah, let's do it. So he called me. Oh, he texted me. So I said, so when I called him, I said, when was that? He said, just a couple minutes ago. I was like, when I was on the throne. I was like, wow. God, you know. So when you're on the throne, don't take your phone with you. I know you want to kill your time, play games or whatever, check your YouTube, whatever. Just, just, the Lord might speak while you are, you know, doing that. So, it was wonderful. And, and he wired the money over and the next day I, I called the contractor. I said, what's going on? He said, oh, I just want to inform you. And he said, you want me to pay me, pay you now? He said, no, 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 no. You don't have to pay me till about two months later or maybe one month later. I said, but you didn't put a date. He said, oh, I forgot. So the Lord was testing my faith. All right. It's kind of caught me on a, 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 a surprise, but it was like, yes, I got this. All right. And built the building and, and the Lord just used it. You might be wondering, why am I telling you all this thing? And it's about money. It's about this. It's about, you know, how God blesses us. And I'm not telling you some prosperity gospel type thing. I'm telling you it's not about the money. But the scale, the, the amount of money is only a reflection of what God can do when you are willing to give your life completely over to God. How to live by faith. When someone heard my story, Bob was his name. Bob said, oh, Mike, sorry. Yeah, now I remember his name. Mike was his name. Mike asked me, wasn't any, didn't you sense any fear when, when, when you have to empty your bank account? You know, there's nothing left. And I, I said, Mike, you're the first person who asked me that. And I kind of paused for a moment. And the Lord gave me such confidence to reply him with these words. I said, Mike, I think it's because my fear of God is so great that it overwhelmed and drowned all other fears. I just wanted to fear him and obey him. That's, that's all I cared so, how to live by faith? Number one. Oh. Oops. I got this. <laughs> we must fear God. And I'm going to go through this fast because time's running out. As I say, I want to use my testimony as kind of like an introduction and making a point here. All right. How to live by faith and kind of want you to relate all these five points to the story I've just told you. All right. How to live by faith, number one, we must fear God. And it's going to keep us focused on His will and His plan. Because that's all you want to do. Say, but I'm not a missionary. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a full-time church worker. This doesn't really apply to me. No, no, no. It doesn't matter what you do, what kind of profession you got, uh, what, you know, your relationship, whatever. 
I know this may not be culturally correct, but I've learned this myself. As my wife fears God, and I fear God, sometimes the Lord will use me, and sometimes God will use my wife to remind me that. That God can use my wife to speak to me. And and I don't have the time to tell you that story, but that, that was, you know, Paula has been such a great, great wife, and sweet and supportive, submissive. I mean, you know, every time I said, the Lord wants us to empty our bank account, the Lord wants us to do this, and she would just ask this question, is it from the Lord? And in 2015, when the Lord just, or 14 actually, uh, 15, started you know, lay up our hearts to, to hand the ministry over or the, the running the day-to-day operation to the nationals in Thailand and so that we can go home and Hannah could go to a school in, in, back in Singapore. I struggle. I struggle so that we argue, we have a disagreement, me and, and, and Polai, because I thought, no, this is the vision that God has given me. You know, and Polai said, he was screaming out for help and said, I think it's time to go home. I said, no. It took a guy that came to visit me. And incident, you know, Coincidentally, his name was also Jason, different last name. And we were just talking and this and that. And, I was, and, he's, and prior to that, a lot of people has, have, the Lord has sent a lot of people to come send a message to me and say, you need a rest. You need to go back and take a sabbatical. I said, no, 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 I got this to do, I got that to do, this and that. And then when Jason heard the same story, same spiel, he said, Jason, I know the Lord has given you the vision, but what makes you think that he's going to use you to finish that vision? Ouch. (laughs) But it didn't take long, maybe 10 seconds before I realized Lord, I need to surrender. I need to listen to Polai. So the fear of God involves that as well. That God's going to use people to talk to you, to remind you to fear Him. Because by fearing God, it's going to help you stay focused on what He wants to do. Because John chapter 6, verse 6 says that He Himself knew what he's going to do. He himself, God himself, know what he's going to do. And how many times we just, we're so self-focused, we just do what we want to do. We got our entire life plan out. This is how much am I going to save. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and choose this career and that will help me make X amount of money and by this age, I'm going to retire. I got a friend who retired at 35 years old and he's multi-millionaire and because he's got his whole life planned out but nothing beats God saying I know what I'm doing and he's the sovereign God he's the creator God he knows you more than you know yourself God knows what he's doing so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding I want to know God I want to fear him And number two, the assurance of His presence. It's going to give us clarity and confidence in times of uncertainties. Every time when I'm uncertain, 
Even after hearing the voice of God, I say, Lord, assure me. I just want you to be here. In John chapter 6, after the, the, five, the, the miracle of the five loaves and two fish, feeding 5,000 people, Jesus sent the disciples into the boat and, you know, and, and let him ride into, to, uh, instructed them to meet him over the other side. And, and they met a storm. Jesus walked on water. But before he stilled the storm, he bothered to climb into the boat. Because he could have stopped the winds and stilled the storm while riding on the waves, right? He's God. But no, he took that one extra step. He climbed into the boat. Why? Because he wants to assure us of his presence. So I don't know what kind of storm you're going through in your life, be it your career, your your, your relationship, your marriage, your your school, whatever. Jesus assures us that he's going to be in that same boat with us. He's not only going to give you bread. He is the bread. Assurance of his presence. Number three. You're wondering, why am I willing and how do I dare to just empty my bank account and just give, give everything to Jesus? Because of this one fact. His resource is inexhaustible. We must know that we have access to the inexhaustible resource of God that will alleviate our worries. Do I worry? Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Maybe for a second or two. Because it's kind of like, okay. Then it turns into, that worry would turn into excitement. What am I talking about? Lord, why are you going to do How are you going to do it this time? Because I saw you do it the last time. You, 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 you opened the Red Sea. So what, what miracle are you going to do this time? So take it. Take it, Lord. And, and maybe this time you'll feed 30,000 people or 50,000 people. Just take it. And so my wife and I have sat down and, and we talked about this. and said, we need to be good stewards. You know, the Lord has blessed us. We're safe, all right, for rainy season, for emergencies. But more importantly, let's save up so that when God says, give, we give. Because he's going to take that and invest it and multiply it and we'll watch it. Because he's going to give us our daily bread. I'm not going to worry about that. Okay, what about retirement? I don't know. So you say, aren't you going to plan? Well, that's my plan. <laughs> All right. So just give it to God and watch Him work. Now you're being irresponsible to your future. Well, my future is in God's hand. So I'm not saying that everybody does the same thing. No. God's plan for you and me is different. But for me, He wants me to do that. So I'm going to save in order for Him to use. All right? And just watch Him take that and feed the spiritual needs of the multitude. So when you serve Jesus and you give and you give and you give until you say, God, I can give no more. Jesus is going to say, don't worry, my child. I'll take care of you because Christ will always be enough. Always. I come in John chapter 10 that they might have life 
and that they might have it more abundantly. The word abundantly that doesn't mean that you have a, you know, it's not quantitative, but it's qualitative. It's rich. I was, you know, walking with taking a walk with Curtis on his property, and we just, I said, I'm not rich because you know every time we save some money, and the Lord said, give, we give, and but I feel rich. I feel that I'm the richest man on earth because God has completely filled up every single pocket and I'm still looking for pockets for him to fill because I just want him I want I just want him to fill my life his resources is or his resource is inexhaustible number four trust and obey in 2015 after we have completed building the four-story building MCO contacted us medical wait medical Christian Outreach, I think that's what they call out of South Carolina. I think it was, anyway, they, they got to know us and they wanted to send over a hundred healthcare uh, uh, providers and workers to come and do a medical mission. And I welcomed that idea. We started planning and I submitted a, a, a request to the Department of Healthcare there in, in, in our village or rather in our province. And I thought everything was good. The team of a hundred, over a hundred people were flying into Phuket, arriving on a Monday. On Sunday, who works on Sunday, right? But I got a call from the Department of Healthcare saying that, oh, your request has been denied. You cannot run the clinic. So it was my staff who caught the call. She came running to, running to me and said, Pastor, this and that and this and that. I was like, relax. God's got this. Okay? Oh, forgot to mention, we were under martial law then. So we're not supposed to have, you know, we're supposed to go through the motion and all the procedures and so on and so forth. I says, God's got it. Let's pray. So I just, we just send that great, that, that, that overwhelming sense of peace and assurance. So on Monday, the team arrived. I have no qualms about continuing the mission. So I contacted the director of the hospital and I said, we got this situation. He said, are your team here? Is your team here? I said, yes. Where are the doctors? I said, okay, they're here. I said, I want to see them. Now this guy is not a Christian. So we went up to his office, sat on this big long table with his dep- two of his deputies and, uh, and he just interviewed. I, I, I was the translator. He asked questions to the doctors. The doctor answered this and that. And he said, okay, this is what we're going to do. You will do the medical mission in the name of our hospital. And, and he just looked at his, both his deputies and said, are you going to do this? Are you going to do this? And both the deputies were like, what? <laughs> All right, that's it. Settle. We will be the front. You do the support. We say, okay, that works for us. And not just that. He said, oh, your dental equipment, how are you going to clean them? And the dentist, you know, the guy in church of dental care said, oh, we're going to do this. this is not good enough. Take our autoclaves. You know what's an autoclave, right? Basically the pressure cooker that, that, cleans the, the apparatus and all that. 
And that thing costs like $12,000. I said, take it, use it. And I said, what about your dental, you know, your chairs and all this for your dental? He said, uh, we, we're going to use this makeshift stuff. It's not good enough. Take ours. It was like, whoa. See, the Lord's got this. All we need to do is trust and obey. And he was going to give you the peace, the bonus to continue what he wants you to do. So where did I get all the guts? It's not me. Because when you have such, when you are complete, when you yield to God 100% completely, you will feel God. You just know that He's there for you. He's in that boat. All He says, you trust and you obey. Many times we trust and we struggle with obedience. But God says, it's got to be all the way. And there's no other way. And that's what they did. The disciples, you know, after a long day's work, traveling, ministering to people, right about supper time, Jesus said, do we have food? We need to feed the people. He said, we don't have enough food. We just got five loaves and two fish and blah, blah, blah. And Jesus said, all right, that's good enough. Now you guys, you 12 of you, go organize these 5,000 or more people. Get them to sit down. 5,000 people. How are you going to organize? 12 people. Organizing 5,000 people. That's a daunting task. I would have given up. Nah. But they did it. And I think it's because they've bought into Jesus' leadership and his mission. And they said, we're going to do it. Trust and obey. And finally, oh, by the way, do you notice in God's plan, there, there are no plan B I mean, you know, organization, when we plan stuff, and this and that. Okay, what's plan B? What if this fails? But I'm not saying that's wrong. But when you talk about God's work, it's only one way. And you just have to say, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, I'm not going to think otherwise. Cross the Red Sea, all right, when? Not how, but when? Finally, H, hope. Embrace the hope that will calm all our fears. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, the evidence of things not seen. In John chapter 6, after, you know, those men, after they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, the prophet that should come into the world. And in verse 20, he said, he saith unto the disciple, it is I, don't be afraid. Jesus is our hope. We sang the song, Jesus Christ, our living hope. It's a different kind of hope. It's not a kind of hope that is so distant, even though it seemed that way. But God, the eternal God that's not limited by time, it says that that hope is now. We may not feel it, we may not see it, but we claim it anyway. Because he said, I'm the hope, I'm in that boat with you. Hope is the inspiration behind endurance. Hope is ensured by the promises of God. It produces peace and joy in believers through the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, 12. And I'll close with John Piper's quote. There is no ministry of Christ... Uh, sorry, let me repeat. There is no ministry for Christ's sake and no storm in Christ's service where every need 
will not be supplied. Above all, the need for Jesus Himself. We need Jesus desperately, whether you are a believer or not. Especially for the non-believer, you need Jesus Christ. He's our salvation, He's our hope. If you're wondering why is your mess, why is your life such a mess, why you things doesn't make sense, well, that's because you don't have Jesus Christ. He's going to make things all make sense to you. Just trust in man. Even Christians, stop. Stop looking at the mirror and yourself and say, I need to do this, I need to do that. Pray God's prayer. Ask God, Lord, what do you want me to pray today? God, test my faith. Life is too good. Life is too smooth. Lord, it's not meant to be this way. In this life, we shall have tribulations. And I've not experienced a single tribulation in my life, Lord. Send one today, now. And I'm not kidding. I prayed that kind of prayer before. And I tell you, it's scary, but it's fun. Because you, 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 I mean, not, not when you're in it. <laughs> but after the whole thing, you look back and say, wow, it's like that roller coaster ride, right? You got your adrenaline all pumped up and you say, let's do it again. Right? Let's do it again. And that's just how I feel. Lord, let's do it again. Take me higher. Make it crazier this time. Take everything I have again. Because Lord, I want you. Take me back to the cross. Let me feel you. Let me just see you. Because you're enough. And I love you, Lord. So how do we live by faith? You fear God. Oops. You fear God because He'll keep you focused on His plan and and His will. Assurance of His presence will give us clarity and confidence in times of uncertainties. We have access to the inexhaustible Resource of God that will alleviate our worries. We must trust and obey because there's no other way. And finally, embrace that hope, that living hope that will calm all our fears. Pastor Joe.